Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Realm presents Spider King, Episode 4. Darnell entered every downtown Culver City restaurant or bar along the long walk home. The horrified looks he received spoke a clear reticence to have him as a customer, much less an employee. He wondered what it was, cycling through hypotheses of prejudice, class bias, racism, and disdain. The more he walked, receiving the same responses in black-owned venues in Inglewood, he realized the truth of it. The jail had marked him in a way people couldn't identify. It would have been better to have a thousand spiders canvassing his body. At least then, people would know what to make of him. As it was, he represented unrecognizable unease, one that pulled at each person's own unique fear strings. Defeated, he called an old friend, one he knew would always be there. Gee, I thought you lost my number. I've been trying to get myself straight. Don't I know it? Casey laughed. Darnell could hear the smoke in his voice. What's good? I need a favor. It was well into the night when Darnell came into the apartment. He texted Ashley that he'd picked up a late shift, and now she and Kaylee were sound asleep. He sat in the dim kitchen and scrolled aimlessly through his phone. He found himself searching the web on recidivism rates and predictors. Somehow he came upon a statistic for suicide amongst ex-cons. Killing himself had crossed his mind while waiting in jail for a trial that could put him away long enough to miss Kaylee's prom, if not her wedding. Suicide was the only surefire way to achieve freedom. Sitting here now, free but still in chains... He let his mind wander back to that place. His breath quickened. Heat flushed his face, neck blurred his vision. A weight crushed his chest, the walls closed in on him. 
Something terrible was about to happen. He gripped the kitchen table. He ran to the bathroom and vomited in the sink. He threw open the medicine cabinet, desperate for anything. His fingers found the nearly forgotten pill bottle given to him by the tall man with the baggy suit after the injection. He turned it in his fingers. Darnell untwisted the childproof cap, tapped out a pill and frowned. One of them, the one he'd spit out judging from the faded coloring, had doubled in size. He inspected it. The capsule walls bulged. Something shifted inside. He squeezed it. Eager legs the size of eyelashes tasted the air through a crack. He squeezed harder. The capsule burst. A hundred spider-like parts scattered onto the sink, writhed around as if frying in oil, and skittered out of the light to find shadow. What the fuck? Then, I fucking knew it. He'd always suspected Freedom Rings and their injection had done this to him, somehow. Seeing it with his own eyes, though, knowing that they'd kept doing it through these pills they'd pitched as boosters to quell any breakthrough anxiety. Suddenly the world felt small. He looked around. Eyes on him. Someone had done this to him. Purposefully. Were they watching him now? Darnell flushed the rest of the pills down the toilet, went out into the kitchen and opened the pantry. He planted his feet and focused all his mental energy. Out! He felt his flesh pull apart, painful in their rush, as the once dormant inhabitants sprang forth in violent protest. Darnell persisted. Blood trailed down his arms and thighs as more than a dozen spiders scurried down to the floor adrift in their sudden exile. Portia was the last to leave. The full width of his wrist now, she clung to him even as he flicked his arm. Finally, she lost her footing, fell, and stopped midway down. Darnell swiped through her silk anchor. She hit the ground, rolled, and retreated into the shadows. Darnell shut the pantry and filled the crack with the kitchen rag. This done, he backed against the door and slid to the floor. Behind him, a faint chattering made him think that the spiders were searching for a way out. But it was his own teeth. He was shivering all over and ached with tension, as if he'd just run for his life way farther than his body could handle. He began to cry, thankful, sorrowful tears. It was time to take back control. Work with Casey proved both anxiety-inducing and lucrative. As a mid-level heroin dealer, most of his clients were middle-class millennials deceptively functional in their addiction. Most of the transactions Darnell assisted with were sporadic. He worked odd hours. His many wounds had begun to heal. And soon the spiders seemed a distant memory. His anxiety, however, was in full force. He dreamed of being back in jail nearly every night. He woke in a cold sweat. When he couldn't immediately go back to sleep, he ambled out to the kitchen pantry and spent most of the rest of the night fighting with himself not to open it. He could feel them, their helplessness, their incarceration. Like him, they understood little of what was happening to them. Can we play Spider King? Kaylee would ask him night after night. He closed the book he'd been dozing to while reading to her. Casey had him working until five that morning. And since Ashley thought he still worked at Delaney's, he'd spent the day getting shitty sleep on any bus that would take him. 
Sure, he said. He plucked her mechanical spider from the bottom of her toy chest. Not with that, Dad, she said. With Portia. Portia's gone, Darnell said. Remember? She went back to her family. When is she coming back? I don't think she is, honey. Well, I think she's coming back. Kaylee played with the toy spider's legs, then put it aside. And when she does, I'll make her spider king of the whole world. One more week, he thought the next day as he walked up to their apartment after another aimless trip around the city. He'd have enough money to focus on looking for work. Maybe even Delaney would take him back if Joy thought he was clean. He stopped outside their door to catch some calm. He counted backward from ten, willed his heart to slow. His fingers found his wrist where Portia had been born. The portal, all of them, had closed. That smells good, Darnell said when he entered. Ashley and Kaylee were rolling homemade pizza dough. Are you getting chopped tonight? Daddy, look what I drew. Kaylee jumped off of her stool, hands white with flour. Wash your hands first, sweetie, Ashley said. You'll get powder everywhere. Kaylee ran her hands under the sink quickly, ran to her room, and came back with a drawing. Oh, this is a beauty, Darnell said. He was able to muster joy and pride for his daughter's benefit. But inside, he felt the floor of his stomach pull away. The spider took up the whole page. Kaylee had gotten quite good at drawing. She had an eye for detail. The long, thick forelegs tipped with serrated fangs. The twin spinnerets extending from the backside, not visible in any of the smaller spiders. The blue, the silver. Charlotte, Darnell said. Go in your room while Mommy and Daddy talk, Ashley said. The tone of her voice grabbed onto the fear Kaylee's picture had hooked into his stomach and yanked it up into Darnell's throat. Any smile on his wife's face was only for their daughter's benefit. She knew. Fuck, she knew. I'll tell you when it's ready for the oven. Go on now. When did she draw this? Darnell said as casually as he could. He checked the cabinets and looked under the dining room table. Then he saw it. Someone had removed the towel from beneath the pantry door. We need to talk now, Ashley said. She leaned against the fridge, her arms folded. Oh? He opened the door. A dozen dead spiders lay on their backs, their legs curled into their bodies. Darnell instinctively reached for them, as one might at the passing of a loved one's casket at the end of a funeral. He felt nothing. The largest of them was an unmistakable blue and silver, her fangs curling towards her own underbelly. Charlotte had come in here to die with the rest and leave him in peace. I have something to show you, he said. I went by the restaurant today, she said. He turned to her. She did know, but not what he'd thought. Oh, to surprise you, you know what the manager asked me? Babe, I have something to show you. She asked me how rehab was going. Rehab, Nell? Let me explain. I'm listening. Darnell licked his lips. He'd rid himself of this experiment more than a week ago. No one had come for him. No one was watching. He'd gone through this whole fiasco alone for nothing. I'm clean now, he said. It's over. 
So it was drugs. Meth? Hell no. I'd never use that stuff. It wasn't drugs. What then? Gambling? Sex? Only with you. That's not funny. Something I got when I was in jail, Darnell said. But I took care of it. Took care of what, Nell? He swung open the pantry door, fully turned on the light, and lowered to his heels. Come see for yourself. She leaned in over him, let out a stifled scream, and retreated into the kitchen. What the hell? Come, please. This is what they did to me in jail. I want you to see. She inched forward, skeptical. Some injection, somehow. And in the pills, too. They're dead. All of them? All of them. He moved aside so she could take his place. She bent over and went for Portia. She was the first one. She came out of my wrist and I didn't know what to do. They told me not to tell anyone. Ashley stood, her face stone. I'm taking Kaylee to my mom's for a few days. Wait, why? I can take you doing a little meth. I can take you needing time to work on yourself. Hell, I can even take you throwing away two years of our life for some bullshit. Casey's my boy, Darnell began automatically. I can't take you lying to my face. Really, Nell? Fake spiders? What? These are the real deal. He moved past her and into the pantry. He scooped up Charlotte's body. See? Charlotte was light as paper. He turned it over. Hollow holes circled the thorax like an antique rotary dial. The abdomen had shrunk into a pitiful tail. He picked up another spider and another. They were all the same. Light. Hollow. Discarded. They molted, he said. He looked at his wife. That fucking jail! Whatever, Nell, Ashley said. She called for their daughter. Kaylee, it's time to visit Nana. Help me get your stuff together. Darnell leaned against the fridge and knocked his head against the door. He hit it hard enough to wince, and when he opened his eyes, he noticed a single spider, the runt he'd followed the morning he got fired, still struggling with its old skin. It freed itself and scurried out of the pantry, only now the size of a small mouse. It went into the hallway and toward the back rooms. Curious, Darnell followed. From the bedroom, Ashley screamed. Darnell broke into a run. When he got there, Ashley held Kaylee on her hip as they backed toward the far wall. Their daughter still clung to her drawing paper in one hand and a jumbo pencil in the other. Charlotte, now the size of a cat, reared up with wide legs and hissed as it closed the gap. The spider reached one leg forward. Kaylee screamed as its hairs grazed her own shin. Darnell ran up to the thing, raised his knee, and brought his foot down with enough force to eviscerate. At least, that's what should have happened. The spider instead jumped sideways, turned in midair, and sank its fangs into Darnell's leg right above the ankle. White flashed. Stars spotted Darnell's vision. He was on the floor. Charlotte reared over him. Fangs the size of a meat fork dripped onto his clothes. A blur. And suddenly Portia clung to Charlotte's underside. She buried her own hidden fangs into the giant spider. One of Charlotte's legs came clean off. She shook Portia off and stumbled backward. Before it could recover, Ashley brought Kaylee's jumbo pencil down on the spider. The first blow elicited a sickening, angry hiss. 
Charlotte began to rear up, but Ashley brought the makeshift dagger back down on its ring of eyes, which smeared together in glistening shards. She stabbed again and again and again. Darnell rose, slow, his head pounding. Blood marked his temple. Around him, he saw that his other spiders were present. They crawled along the frame of Kaylee's bed, hung from the ceiling, and peeked out from inside the hamper, all watching. It's okay, Darnell said to Ashley and to himself. We're okay. The runt of the group entered the room, bright red and hairless. It tasted the air with excited feelers. Ashley was all maternal instinct. She crushed the latecomer under her foot before Darnell could even register what was happening. White flashed and tore his headache open, bringing him down to one knee. Ashley didn't stop. The spiders scattered as she brought down her foot without remorse. The light of Darnell's world flickered and died. Not Portia. He hoped it wasn't Portia. Mom, no, Kaylee said. Please stop. They're my friends. Daddy's friends. But she wouldn't stop. The heel of her shoe found another. Stop, Darnell yelled. He meant to grab her, to give her at most a little shake, only enough to get her to listen. But the combination of her forward motion toward her next victim and his mistiming, his contact caused her to lose her footing. She fell head first in excruciating detail. Darnell had the fleeting, cogent thought that perhaps this was how Portia saw the world. Slowed, deliberate. She'd passed on to him her evolutionary gift of time manipulation. Only it did nothing to push Darnell further toward his goal. Instead, it cursed him with the perfect clarity of his downfall. All that he'd done to escape from jail, both the one in Twin Towers and the one he'd brought home with him to regain his family's trust, in this moment, erased. Ashley's shoulder hit the wall. Her yell began in pain and ended in shocked anger. Fear quickly joined as she took in the remaining spiders, which had stopped scurrying and started to reassemble. The spiders were clearly on his side. Whatever that meant. Kaylee rushed over to her mother. Babe, I didn't mean... Darnell began. Ashley stiffened at his approach. She clutched their daughter as if Darnell himself had eight legs. Stay away, she said. Show her, Dad, Kaylee said. Hush, baby, Ashley said. It's okay. Show her, Dad, please. Darnell held his hands up. It's fine. It's safe. The spiders crowded around him, a mosaic of flesh colors. Their signals distorted his thoughts. Had he missed them? Yes, he had. Dad controls them, Kaylee said, as if it were the simplest explanation in the world. I told him they'd be back. Is this what they did to you? Ashley said. In jail? I wanted to tell you. I really did. Ashley stood. She inched along the wall around to the door. Darnell's cluster watched her without threat. I'll come back for our things tomorrow. I want you and them gone by then. Darnell didn't argue, though his daughter certainly wanted him to. Ashley carried her kicking and screaming down the hall. Darnell let them go. The spiders let them. Sometime after the front door slammed and his daughter's wails faded, Darnell went into the bathroom, ran the shower, and stepped in without waiting for it to warm. They followed. He could hear their many legs across the linoleum. He closed his eyes. They came all at once, crawling up into him, 
agonizing pain as the largest of them squeezed back into their atrophied nooks. Darnell's knees buckled. His right leg shot out at a peculiar angle to catch his fall while his left foot slid on the wet porcelain. The compensating knee cracked, a sound like muffled thunder as the shower beat ice on his back. Scratching at the walls slowed his descent. He planted one palm on the floor of the tub and found the faucet with the other. He rode out the wave in this contortion. Finally, the tendons around his joints relaxed. He tucked his legs underneath him and turned his face up to the spray. When he looked down, flecks of skin circled around the drain. He cut the water and stepped out. He checked his wrist. Porsche's camouflage was so complete that he had to touch it to be sure he hadn't imagined the reunion. The difference in texture was unmistakable. As if in confirmation, the spot of skin-colored exoskeleton shifted under his touch, temporarily revealing the rest of the arachnid underneath. The spot of camouflage shifted back into place. When he returned to his room, he had a text from Casey. Feeling both whole and desiccated, Darnell got dressed and went to make some money. island in frigid Lake Superior. A fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Darnell paused outside the apartment complex. The living room light was on. He climbed the stairs, in no rush to see what else awaited him this night. At this point, after how things had gone with Ashley and then Casey, he expected anything. Cops, freedom rings, a million angry spiders, even Ashley coming back was a fleeting possibility. Still, seeing her waiting in their apartment was a surprise. Hey, he said. She sat on the couch. She still had on her jacket and shoes. I thought you left. She approached in two quick strides and slapped him across the face hard enough to wring his ears. Emotions welled. He swallowed them. Bad for not telling you, he finally said. That was for pushing me. Darnell nodded. I can see that. You know I didn't mean to, right? I know. You're not crazy. She sat back on the couch and folded her arms across her chest. What made you come back? I promised Kaylee I would. Only way to get her to stop crying. That, and... I don't think I'd be able to sleep tonight without knowing what the fuck has been going on. Darnell sat down beside her. Ashley got up and went over to the loveseat. Darnell nodded at this. He rested his forearm on his leg, wrist skyward, and clenched his fist. Some of this was theatrics, he knew, but perhaps showing the pure ease with which he'd surpassed his own humanity would be too much to share all at once. Portia played her role well and came out elegantly. She stood on his wrist, turned toward his wife, and waved her legs as if in greeting. It was a long time before Ashley spoke. How many are there? Darnell sighed. (sighs) A lot. Not more than twenty, but a lot. And the one that attacked Kaylee? Charlotte. She was rogue. 
I never could control her. You can control the others? He nodded. Promise you'll be cool? I'll be cool. Darnell connected to Portia in that visceral way that he had never experienced with another sentient being before. He became acutely aware of several aspects of the environment that were previously unavailable to him in his human skin. The hidden insects that vibrated within their apartment walls, the fear emanating off Ashley, even his own angst. Darnell pushed through this all to get to his goal. Like a loaded spring, Portia jumped from his wrist to the loveseat's armrest. Ashley started, but there was also a smile there. Portia tucked in her feelers and extended her frontmost pair of legs. She waved them back and forth, spun around, and then slapped these legs onto the fabric. She lifted her back legs too and shuffled forward two beats, then back two beats. Ashley looked from the spider to him. His forehead had gone damp. You never were a good dancer, she said. Oh, thank God, Darnell said. He released his hold on Portia. The spider put all eight legs on the armrest, regained its bearings, and then jumped back to Darnell. You should have told me, Ashley shook her head. Does it hurt when they come out? Not anymore, Darnell said. Can I see? He let her. He hadn't taken the time to take inventory. Scars marked his arms, his chest, his legs, and neck. Ashley touched where his navel used to be. His abs contracted, though he felt nothing. That was Charlotte, he said, the big scary one. Ashley leaned in and kissed his stomach. He heard the sound, felt her warmth near his chest, the pressure of distant touch, otherwise numb. She went on to kiss his arms, his neck, his face. When she was done, she settled beside him. Did they tell you if it's permanent? They didn't tell me anything, only that it would get me home to you. You know I never read the fine print. Whatever this is, however long this lasts, we'll get through it together. Ashley frowned and looked past him out the window. Red and blue flashed slivers across her face. Then he heard it. The whir of police sirens. Not 24 hours after arriving at the county jail, Darnell was transferred to Twin Towers Psychiatric Unit for a suicide attempt. His intent, in fact, hadn't been to kill himself. The tin cup top he'd pocketed from the dining hall had proved sharp enough to do the job. The guard had found him, weeping hysterically, calling out for Ashley, Kaylee, and someone named Portia, splattered with blood, surrounded by dead spiders. They removed the suicide vest after five days. On the seventh, he had a visitor. He sat at a large steel table, both ankles chained to the floor. Are you my lawyer? When the tall woman in the suit jacket didn't respond, he tried again. Her apparent comfort in this environment unsettled him. New psychiatrist? I'm from the court. Can't talk without a lawyer. I know that much. Listen, then. I read your psych forensic report. It won't hold up in an incompetence plea. While on parole, you were caught in possession of a Schedule I controlled substance with intent to sell. 
and fled from the scene. He remained tight-lipped. As your first offense on record, this won't get you much. But if old charges were reinstated... She tapped her tablet. Darnell felt the walls close in around him. You're looking at a long time in prison. Your daughter's high school graduation, her prom, probably her wedding. Why are you here again? She placed a familiar syringe in front of him. To get you back in the study. Darnell sat forward, pulling his chains taut. She was not the man who'd first offered those words what seemed a lifetime ago. But in many ways, she was the same. The same neatly pressed attire, vacant gaze, and detached impatience. The woman caught his recognition and smiled. You're from Freedom Rings, he said. A second's pause, then she nodded and waved her hand in dismissal. We have many names. Your control of the spores was remarkable, better than we've seen. You obviously connected with them, cared for them. She looked over her shoulder to see if the guards were watching. They weren't. Her eyes sparked. Tell me, where's the one you call Portia? Can you feel it now? Darnell shifted. So they had been watching all along. I killed all the spiders. No, not Portia. We checked every single spider in your cell. Is it back with your daughter, Kaylee? She has nothing to do with this, Darnell blinked. And in that time, he reached out to the one link he had left in the world. In that split second, he sensed his daughter's blood, felt her glee. She was safe. She kept that part of him safe. Did you teach her how to control it? Guard! Darnell yelled. When no one came, he gestured to the syringe. You know the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result. That's not insanity. Besides, I'm not asking you to do that same thing. Not. Exactly. She pulled the glass box from her briefcase and placed it on the table. Though the creature inside had grown and developed far beyond when Darnell had last seen it, he immediately recognized what he'd hoped was a nightmare among nightmares. It had, after all, come from his own face. The hybrid didn't have room to fly in the glass cage, but its large wasp wings were rivaled only by its thick, long legs, its abdomen elongated into a pulsating double tip. Darnell, despite himself, squinted for a better view. Clear liquid dripped from one of the needles, fine lines of silk stretched from the other. Tell it to fly, the woman said. No sooner had she spoken the words than the abomination beat its wings to a blur. Darnell stilled it as quickly as he'd excited it. He lifted one leg, an exact leg, and then another. The control was fluid and complete. We've learned a lot about you and your connection. We can perfect it. You want to use me again? Then tell me what's this really for? Some weapon? Bioterrorism? That's classified. Darnell scoffed. Does it matter if it gets you out of here? Arachnids are independent creatures. It was a mistake to think they could be fully controlled. The incident with the tarantula shouldn't have happened. If not spiders, then what? This mutant shit? Buzzing, 
so faint at first. Darnell thought it was just another of the jail's many unexplained moanings. A bee passed overhead, trailing sweet fermentation. His cavities itched in fearful anticipation. The bee hovered in front of him. Beyond, the woman grinned. Six months, your job would be just to stay out of trouble. Otherwise, do what feels natural. We'll take care of the rest. And after the six months? No more. Enjoy your wife, your daughter, your life. He sat back. She did the opposite. The bee retreated behind her and the buzzing stopped. Her brown eyes glistened with the anticipation of the day's catch. Fuck you and your shot, he said. This time she called the guard. As she got up to leave, he grabbed her arm. Can you make it four months? And get my job back? Half her mouth curled into a smirk. I think we can manage that. You're listening to Spider King, narrated by William Demerit. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Realm, listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Spider King is written by Justin C. Key. It is produced by Diana Foe and executive produced by Molly Barton. Audio produced and original musical theme by Amanda Rose Smith. Sound design and editing by Kaylin West. <laughs>